When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the CHGO Bulls podcast, presented to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. My name is Will Gottlieb, and I have a lot to talk about today about the Bulls. We've got some Lonzo Ball news to break down. Um, Apparently, there is a growing possibility that he may need a third procedure. We're going to talk about Zach Levine, and maybe the passing of the torch offensively with this team, moving on from, not moving on from DeRozan, but moving more towards a Zach Levine-centric offense. And then some play-in stuff, and what is the update with the play-in race and the Bulls' odds, and how we're feeling there. And to break it all down with me, I have my good friend, Mark Kay from Australia, who is less than a week away from being Mark Kay in Chicago. This is a fact. It's certainly less than a week. I'm actually starting to stress out, starting to get anxious, making sure I've packed everything, got everything. I'm looking at all my COVID forms, my visa forms, all this nonsense is right next to me. Um, all the paperwork is there. So um, starting to stress out, William, um, Do you have a passport? in more ways than ones. Uh, and then this Lonzo news, Lonzo news comes through, which uh, doesn't uh, <laughs> doesn't alleviate any stress, probably just adds to it. So uh, let, let's get into it because uh, that's obviously what we're here to discuss, not my travel plans. Yeah, well, hopefully you have your passport sorted and uh, you will be admitted upon entry. Yes, you said it. Um, man, this Lonzo Ball news just keeps getting worse and worse. But like, honestly, I'm not that surprised. Let's just lay out the, the news for those who missed it this morning. Woj from ESPN reported that there is, quote, a growing possibility that Lonzo Ball may need a third surgery on his knee that would hold him back at least six more months. Joe Colley of the Chicago Sun-Times reported that there's still no decision yet, but it is trending that way. And Casey Johnson of NBC Sports Chicago followed up saying that the decision could be coming as soon as next week. For me, it wasn't getting better. It's been over a year now, like a year and three months, and we haven't really seen any sort of progress. So like, it's not that surprising that they would need to maybe consider other options, but it's still really painful to hear that. And just for Lonzo, what just awful, horrible news um, to not be able to ramp up to the point where he can, get on a basketball court and start cutting and sprinting and jumping with the athleticism and force that he needs to be able to, in order to get back on the court and play NBA games to be held out for, you know, a full year and a half at the very earliest. And we can talk about whether or not six months seems like a reasonable timeline, but man, that just sucks for him. And and you really have to feel for him. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I mean, there's the human aspect to this all, this whole thing rather. And uh, yeah, it, completely sucks for him 
uh, yeah, there's no getting past that. I guess that that's 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 the really crummy part of this whole thing. The fact that his career has been put on hold. The thing that he loves doing mo- the most, he just can't do for whatever reason. Um, I it does. The the issue I have with this, or maybe not even the issue with this, like and maybe we don't know much about it because maybe they don't head down the surgery path. Like it's all being floated at the moment as a, as a possibility, but I have to assume that this news coming out now is a, just a precursor to sort of suggest, Oh, by the way, this is a, probably a thing that's going to be happening. So it sounds like this is going to be a thing that happens. Um, this is like and, those and, tweets that it's like the bulls and the Pelicans are coming to terms on a deal or like, the the bulls are trending towards picking i would assume in the second round it's like it's gonna yeah. happen i mean it's just it's gonna happen well it, it kind of feels similar to like ak's presser after the trade deadline he he basically at that point said i oh, will have more news to come on lonzo in a week and we knew as soon as he said that what he was going to be announcing in a week's time that obviously lonzo was going to be out for the season so this kind of feels like all right let's do a news dump now let people know that, oh, by the way, there might be another surgery. And then in a week's time, we get confirmation that there will be a surgery. Obviously, I'm speculating here. Maybe things change, whatever. But that's that's kind of how it feels like, just reading between the lines. And I guess because we don't know a surgery is definitely going to happen, then maybe they haven't given us this information just yet. But like, my, my question now is, okay, what is this third surgery about? Like, well, one, what type of surgery is it? What are you trying to do with this surgery? Is it an ex- exploration? Have you sort of figured out what the issue is and will you go in there and mend the problem at that point? Or do they, are they any closer really to understand the issue? Because I, I still don't really know what's going on. Uh, maybe that's just due to the fact that they don't really know what's going on or maybe they do and they're just being more coy about it and haven't necessarily told us exactly what is going on. But it, it's one of the other of, of, of those sorts of situations but I guess the end, the, the end result is I'm still confused as to what is going on with Lonzo's knee. And I'm hoping they're not confused. I hope they know what's actually happening. And this third surgery, assuming it happens some way or bring some sort of resolution. But I am actually surprised that we are headed down to a, a third surgery because, I mean, really? you've, already, you've already missed out on, you've been sidelined for 14 months. Like to have another surgery, like it's, I, I wasn't expecting this news. I don't know why. Maybe I should have been, but uh, yeah, it's it's nuts to think that there's a third surgery coming. Obviously, he was going to be out a year and a half regardless Like because the minute they shot him down for this season, the next time we'll see him on a basketball court is in hopefully October of 2023. So at, at that point, it's essentially a year and a half, if not longer. So he was always going to be absent for a, a massive chunk of time. But I guess now I'm just even more nervous because we know that Lonzo hasn't necessarily responded to surgeries well in the past. So, okay, cool. This surgery, assuming it happens, maybe it's six months lead time, but is it actually going to be more than that knowing that he hasn't necessarily recovered from these previous surgeries to, to the level that we would have liked. So who's to say there's not going to be more down the line, the line. So it sucks, man, on so many different levels, but um, yeah, I just hope Lonzo from a mental standpoint is holding up well. Yeah. I think a lot to, uh, breakdown out of that obviously like i don't know what i'm talking about from like a medical standpoint but from the outside looking in it seems like he was able to progress to approximately the same level that he was getting to last year before they shut him down and he's not able to like break through that barrier and get to the point where he can do that like fully dynamic running cutting jumping stuff that he needs to be able to do um 
the rumor was, I mean, I've, I've seen this written in a couple of different places that there was some sort of nerve damage or nerve impingement that happened with one of the two procedures. And that the hope was that that was going to uh, dissipate and heal over time. Obviously they're at the point now where that hasn't happened and they may need to do some other sort of procedure. I'm not sure exactly what that would be. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I can't imagine a world where he is just like fixed on his own at this point. You know what I mean? Like I just, the, the amount of time that it's been since even his last procedure in September, it just seems like he would have started to see the amount of progress that we need to see in order for him to get better by now. And it just seems like that hasn't even gotten close. Um, obviously there was a whole thing about like those videos that he posted and his running gait looking weird and him talking about maybe changing the way that he runs. Um, I mean, it's just like, it's all sorts of bad news. And I mean, this doesn't even get into any of it from the bulls perspective, but man, just for him and to miss that much time at 25 years old and for me, it's like players who play with that much joy and who um, just like, yeah, who just like look like they're having that much fun. I mean, it has to hurt even more. Like all of these guys put their entire lives into this, but some people just have way more fun playing basketball than others, whether it's Steph or I don't know, like there's, there's just these guys that like bring really bring joy out of the game. And Lonzo to me was one of those guys. It really sucks. I hope we get to see him again, but I think it brings up larger questions about his longevity, whether or not he'll be able to come back at all. And certainly what the bulls are going to be in for now um, in terms of adding to this roster, in terms of trying to uh, just improve in general, or maybe take a step back so that they can then improve. Um, but with the cap implications with it, they are, and we can talk about how that looks. It's just going to be really difficult, but they, they do have some options. Um, right now, they are right up against the luxury tax, obviously. And, and that's why I think the disabled player exception was not really on the table this year. Not to say that that's right or wrong, but what we know about this front office and ownership group is that they're not going to go into the tax. So even if they were granted this disabled player exception, that money would apply towards the salary cap. So if they did use it, they would have to go into the tax given that they're right up on that line. That was never gonna happen. So it stands to reason that they wouldn't do it. That's fine, it is what it is. But next year they are, I think the cap is set to be at 134 million, uh, a little bit up from what it was last year. The tax will be 162, about $7 million over what it was last year. Um, if they they have $62 million in cap holds um, for Vooch, for Io, Kobe, Javante, and they have $122 million in guaranteed money, including Lonzo, with only 10 roster spots. So given that, they're going to be more likely than not above the cap, which makes things very difficult. Um, they are going to still probably be right up against attacks if they want to bring this group back. And I mean, that's not even to start the conversation of should they bring this group back? Should they go and operate above the tax and be right up in the luxury tax line for a group that's winning what 36, 37 games this year. Yeah. I mean, even if they don't bring this group back, I mean, all likelihood is that they're going to be over the cap regardless. Maybe they'll make some trades that that'll keep them above the cap, but there's, there's not going to really going to be a scenario where they 
generate cap space. They're not really going to be a cap space team. Um, I mean, theoretically, yes, they can be, but realistically, no. Um, so they're going to be over the cap in whatever the team looks like. Most likely, to your point, they'll be pushing towards the luxury tax next season. So based on that and the you know what we know about ownership, and as Demond sort of mentions here in the comments, that the Bulls are a small market team, despite living in, uh, despite the Bulls being in one of the America's uh, you know biggest major cities, um, they operate like a small market team. So there's no reason to expect that even if the Bulls were to apply for some sort of you know disabled player exception next season, which will be roughly around ten million dollars in Lonzo, uh, in Lonzo's instance, the Bulls will get back around ten million dollars to to go and sign a player, and then there's a stipulation around that that whoever you try to bring in whether it's in, via a signing or, or trading like or it would have to be via a trade that the player would have to be on the final year of their deal so it's it, you are limited in who you can actually bring through with this dpe but in order to use it yeah you have to push towards the luxury tax or potentially go over it which is a thing that obviously this team will not be doing so uh i would be very stunned if they applied for it in part because of the the tax implications but also like they wouldn't want to be applying it because they're probably going to be hoping again that Monzo comes back at some point next season. So they won't be applying it for it in the off season. They won't be applying for it at the start of the season because they're going to be trying to get Lonzo back on the court, I guess. So I would be and, very and shocked that's if, where if it that's becomes, Yeah, that, that's where it becomes really difficult. The deadline to apply this year was January 15th. I imagine it will be yep. that same day or around there this next year. And basically the way that the rule works is you get – half of the player's salary up to the non-tax player mid-level. For the Bulls and for Lonzo, that would be roughly $10.2 million next year. Mm -hmm. To your point, they're not going to do this to start the season. I mean, if they have another procedure and it's a six-month recovery time, they're hoping to get him back, I mean, maybe for the start of the year, best-case scenario, right? I doubt that would be the case, but that's kind of going to be the hope. So what will happen is you get into the season, you get towards that January 15th deadline, and then you consider applying. You could apply and not use it. That's an option. And I don't I don't know whether or not, I've tried to do some reporting on whether or not they did apply and just elected not to use it or didn't get it for Lonzo this year. We don't know the answer to that. But um, that is an option to just apply and not end up using it. Um, what becomes really difficult though, is if you aren't going to use it during the summer, it's like really tough to find impact players during the season via trade or via free agency to bring in for that number, just because like most of these guys are already on teams. Now, maybe there's a trade for a team who, you know, decides they want to start tanking or go the other direction. But again, then you are, you're limited in the fact that it has to be an expiring contract. You're limited in the fact that you are still going to have this money applied towards the tax. And again, not that that's the right thing, not that we necessarily agree with that, but that's the reality. And so it does become really difficult unless you are doing some sort of larger roster overhaul where maybe you're letting some of these cap holds go. Maybe you're not bringing Vush and Io and Kobe and Javante and Patrick Beverly back. Who knows? But I think if you bring this group back as currently, currently construction, constructed, that just becomes really difficult. And I think it leaves you in the same position, which is waiting on Lonzo Ball to recover and hoping that he still looks the same as what he did in November and December, 2021, except now it's November and December, 2023. And we still don't know if he's even going to be able to play. So I think 
to me, the big picture takeaway from this is, and we all already knew it, but it's, it's a good way to hammer it home is like, they can't count on the, if Lonzo just gets healthy plan, that, that plan I think just doesn't exist anymore. No, completely agree. It's, it's, you can't rely on it. You can't be basing your decisions around Lonzo coming back. Like, it, if anything, at this point, it'll be a nice luxury assuming it happens. And that assumption that it happens is, who knows? It's a massive, massive if at this point. Like, if he's missed half of last season, all of this season, and who knows when he comes back next season, assuming he comes back at all. Like, there's just, there should be zero reliance on Lonzo. And, and even if he does come back, like, what version of Lonzo are you getting back? Is he going to be the one that we saw or is he going to be a completely different player? Is he going to be playing every night? Probably not. I mean, he would be, he was even before these, this specific injury, he was someone who had an injury cloud hanging over his career. So like, okay, even if he comes back, can you count on this guy being healthy going forward? The answer is absolutely not. So you have to also, you have to basically just accept the, from a cap perspective, you have to accept that Lonzo's twenty odd million dollars is basically dead dead money, and it won't it'll remain dead money until he comes back and proves that he can be somewhat of a competent player. Um, so think, they're in a tough wanna, position from that standpoint. I want to cut in a second and answer one of uh, our questions here in the comments from DeAndre Armstrong. Would it be uh, would it look bad if the Bulls tried to trade Lonzo to maybe OKC or somewhere else? I think that is an option, but for me. And I think this would be sort of the reality of the situation is if you are trying to dump Lonzo's $20 million onto another team that has space, and I'm not sure what the Thunder's cap situation is right now, so who knows about that specific example. But if you are trying to do that, you're going to have to attach a pick. And the Bulls, as somebody else in the comments already pointed out, you know, Damon says uh, this would be (laughs) – wouldn't be as bad as uh, if the Bulls didn't already owe a first to the Magic this year and the Spurs in 2025, like – they're already out a couple of draft picks adding on to that in order to get off money is, is a really tough pill to swallow. And so I think that's what is maybe part of the reason why this is going to be so difficult. Um, not just for Lonzo or for like the bulls long-term, but it's just like, I don't really see a way out of this situation with the group as currently constructed. I think we've all kind of come to terms with the fact that this, squad isn't really it and they're going to have to make some changes but you're going to have to make some changes knowing that that money i think is going to be on your roster barring like some miracle trade where you're either not giving up a pick or you're getting some impact player back and i just i don't really see that as a realistic outcome no and look to answer another comment that we had here the the only other real feasible way that the bulls get out of the lonzo contract uh is if he's if his career is basically declared, oh, sorry, his injury is declared career ending. Like at that point, yes, the money would come off the books, but it's not something the books, uh, the Bulls can just say, yeah, it's it's career ending injury. It would have to go through a third party process where a, a doctor would basically suggest that yes, the the injury that Lonzo has sustained is career ending or career altering. Um, there are a, a number of processes and hoops that you have to jump through in in that regard. So. That is one way that the Bulls could get out of this, but ultimately it would it would need to be declared that Lonzo has suffered a career-ending injury effectively, which he may not agree with. Maybe the Bulls don't agree with. So that that's another option. It's probably the nuclear option. It's probably the last resort, something I don't think the Bulls or Lonzo will be exploring anytime soon. So that that is another thing that should be mentioned. 
Um, but I don't think it's heading down that path at, at this stage anyway. So any 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 way we want to take this conversation, it's it's not good news, obviously. Um, why would it be, given the the the, uh, the state of things? But to your point, William, like whatever the situation is, whether it's applying for DPEs, thinking about uh, you know career-ending injuries, whatever the situation is, like to your point, like you just can't plan with Lonzo being around anymore or you can't plan on him starting for you come opening night next season. You can't plan on him being your best point guard option because you don't know when he's coming back. And even if you did know when he was coming back or he does come back at some point, you can't categorically say that he's going to be your best point guard option going forward because who the hell knows what he looks like. He hasn't played basketball in a significant amount of time. He may not be the same player anymore. So we just shouldn't be relying on Lonzo Ball going forward. And unfortunately, that's just the uh, the weight of the situation or the reality of the situation, which which sucks. It sucks for us, but it sucks even more for, the, for Lonzo. So, uh, yeah, just terrible news all around. Yeah, and I think just, again, sort of getting into the, the bigger picture of long-term implications for the Bulls, like we don't, we, we don't need to spend too much time on it. But like Arturis was sort of saying after the trade deadline, and his availability that like they've been able to make moves above the cap. They've been able to make additions really creatively in order to put a competitive team together. And the Bulls were competitive. So I understand from the standpoint of like, there is proof of concept that this team as currently constructed as healthily constructed could be really good. But I think we can agree at this point that like, you can't bank on that anymore just with the way that, Lonzo's injury has has gone and, and what it means for him. And so it's going to take a lot more of that same creativity. But to me, this is like sort of the final nail in the coffin in terms of if you if you had any doubts about there needs to be change with this roster, if you're Arturis, like this has to be the, you know, this has to be the the closing of the door, so to speak. Um that could change. We don't know, but um, obviously we'll keep you updated. And it seems like there will be some resolution on this next week. Um, hopefully, you know, we hear some good news, but again, we're not really expecting it at this point. Uh, we do have more to talk about in terms of the Bulls on court and how they're looking. And um, Zach Levine specifically in the way that he's playing lately has been just completely on fire. But first, I want to tell you guys about our friends at FOCO. You have already got the best coverage of your favorite Chicago sports teams, so you may as well get fitted out in the best Chicago sports gear around. FOCO has you covered from Soldier Field to the living room, north side or the south side with hoodies, slippers, signs, bobbleheads, and everything in between. Get decked out in a fuzzy one-color tracksuit like DeMar DeRozan with apparel from the leaders in sports merch and collectibles. That's FOCO. Looking for the best, perfect gift for a football fan in your life, for a basketball fan, baseball's around the cover. FOCO's got you covered with hoodies to fight the Lake Michigan breeze. It's still pretty cold out here. Sorry to tell you, Mark. It's probably going to be cold when you're here. But FOCO's got you covered with hoodies and sweatshirts to keep you warm. So go check out FOCO.com or click the link in the description below for all non-presale items. Use promo code CHGO for 10% off. Yeah, I think I need to jump on FOCO and let's definitely get another jumper or two. But um, I, my, I don't have any winter type shoes. Like I've never, I've never experienced the type of cold you guys have. So I've just been realizing my thin vans are just going to cop an absolute beating and I'm, I'm, I might need to have 
buy some more shoes but if not then I'm, i need to buy like two or three layers or have three of layer two or three layers of socks so i'm going to be jumping on foco.com and <laughs> getting some socks i think i'm going to need more than the more than the uh, number of pairs that i've got but whilst i'm at it william i'm going to be jumping on to pinsandaces.com so if you're not aware friends pins and aces is the official golf apparel partner of chgo we love our pins and aces gear and get tons and tons and tons of compliments on and off the course best so of all compliments. Oh, so heaps heaps of compliments and did you know william that pins and aces are a family-owned golf and apparel business if you I didn't know, know now you do you know now you know now you know they are a great place to go if you want some amazing polos, hats, golf bags, and most importantly, um, our favorite product, the Innovative uh, Beer Sleeve, where you can hold up to seven beers at one time. And this thing will keep the, all your beers cold. So when you're playing around, you, you're cutting around your golf bag, all that sort of stuff, you just keep all your beers in there. This thing will keep them all nice and cold and fresh. So once you've done, you hit that, hit that ball and you've nailed a hole in one after that. You know what you do, William? You just open up your golf bag. You start chugging down a few goose islands that you've caught, uh, you've kept in there and you are refreshed. So that, friends, sounds like an amazing deal. So if you want to get one of those things, check out pinsandaces.com. Use promo code CHGO to receive 15% off your first order. And as well as that, you get free shipping. That's pinsandaces.com. What a deal that is, William. If I ever get a hole in one, I would drink all seven beers out of a beer sleeve. I can just tell you that right now. Um, but Mark, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Is this Zach Levine's team now? I think it might be Zach Levine's team now. I think it might be Zach Levine's be. team now. I think it might be. Zach Levine is the captain now. Yeah, well... <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely his team. It's definitely, well, it feels like that way. At least it's been shaping up that way. Like the numbers suggest it's his team. It feels like that anecdotally when you're watching it. Um, I I guess the question for me, like the, the numbers in the play suggest that it is, but I guess the, the real question to me is like, why has this change happened now? Like all, why why have we figured this thing out now? Or why is it diverted this way now? I, I'd be interested to get your thoughts on that. I've, I've got my own, but very clearly something has changed within the offense where it's become more Levine centric. He's closing more or he's being used more as a closer, uh, particularly late in halves, especially in fourth, fourth quarters. Uh, we're seeing more Levine, Vooch pick and roll action. And like in, in, in conjunction with that, like DeRozan's just sort of dialed down his offense as well. So there's a lot of things happening at the same time. I don't know what's, uh, you know, correlation, causation, all that sort of stuff. But it, it's very clear that, for an offensive standpoint, like Levine has become the primary guy. And it's just interesting that we've arrived here, given all that's been going on with this team and the whole Levine and, and DeRozan dynamic over the last sort of 18 months that they've sort of shared the floor together. It's, it's interesting that we've landed here now. And I guess the question, like I said, like, why now? What, it's, it's, it's an interesting one to pose. And I'm wondering if you have any uh, good thoughts around it. I don't know if they're good thoughts, but I do have some. Uh, so... First of all, you're absolutely right. I mean, even if you just look at the the game last night against the Nuggets, like Zach Levine was the one that was initiating the offense in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. um, and in the third quarter when they were really starting to take off. That's been the case for the last several games. He has been the one with the ball in his hands and Namar has been operating off ball. Um, I kind of asked Billy about this the other day, like Zach Levine's getting more, his, his like field goal attempts and free throw attempts are trending up and Demar's are trending down. What's what's your take on that? He was like, well, Zach's playing really well and playing aggressively, so he's getting to the line more. Like, what do you what do you mean? 
And I was like, well, I mean, is there any like rhyme or reason to that? And I, he just went into this whole sort of diatribe about how the Bulls need Zach to put pressure on the rim. I mean, we've talked about it a lot. DeMar, for all of his greatness, and there is so much greatness there, he is a very limited player. And I don't say that negatively. I just mean that he is operating primarily from the same spots on the floor, the mid post or the elbows. And for the Bulls to be effective offensively, he needs to be nuclear. I mean, he needs to be making 52, 55% of his mid-range jumpers. And for the most part, he does that. But that when, when he is playing that way, you're not putting a ton of pressure on the rim. You're not driving and drawing help and forcing kickouts to where you can get open threes. Um, you're not driving and Booch is popping and he's able to you know get those trail threes. Um, I, I really think that the Bulls need to put the ball in Zach's hands just because he's more dynamic at all three levels, probably not as good or efficient of a scorer in the mid range, but like the fact that he can score beyond the arc and the fact that he's been able to get to the rim and last night, nine for nine uh, in the restricted area. I mean, that just puts a whole different level of pressure on the bulls. And I think it also forces him and DeMar to learn how to play together a little bit differently. I mean, Zach probably makes more sense in a vacuum playing off of DeMar, right? Like he can be the spot up guy. He can be the attack closeouts guy. And it's a little bit difficult when DeMar isn't sort of that same spot up shooter, but I I do think for them to both reach their ceiling, they need to be able to play off of one another. And I really like these reps that Zach is getting as the primary guy, forcing DeMar to learn how to be, you know, more of a secondary option. Yeah. I guess you could talk me into one of either option really like there's pros and cons for for both right they're obviously uh imperfect solutions one way or another like to your point having levine be the primary guy makes sense because he can do things at all three levels and we'll get into the numbers in a sec but he has been just on fire from the mid-range lately particularly over the last 15 games we know what he can do at at rim and from the three-point line but when it comes to Zach's mid-range game, he's clearly not as effective as DeRozan, but he has been over the last sort of 15 games. But we all know Zach's, not issues, but his, maybe his limitations around you know what he does as a playmaker and, and the fact that I don't think he's as capable as a playmaker as DeRozan. He's certainly not as good at a, from a ball security standpoint. So from that point of view, like that's why I like DeRozan being the lead guy because I have more faith in him controlling the offense a little bit more. Having said that, when someone like Levine is cooking to the degree that he is at the moment over his last 15 games, averaging almost 28 points, 29.5 usage rate, um, and most importantly, a 67.1 true shooting percentage, like those numbers are insane. He's just been super, super, super efficient. And to give some context as to like where a 67% true shooting percentage would sit across the season, it would be top 10. It's like Kevin Durant levels. It's above Steph Curry levels. Like that's how efficient Zach has been over the last 15 games. And he's just been lining it up from all over the all over the court really like he's been essentially at 68 69% at rim his three point shooting has been solid around 36 37% but william like he's doing a lot of work in the paint and in that mid range area where he's been just so much more efficient like his pull up twos at the moment over the last 15 games he's shooting 54% on pull up twos now that's a pretty amazing number considering on the season he's been in around you know, 42, 43%. So there's been a massive leap from that standpoint. Um, and as, as I mentioned more generally, like he's taken a leap from his mid-range area, which, you know, goes hand in hand with obviously that pull-up two spot, uh, pull-up two numbers. But on his mid-range shots, 
53% on the, over the last 15 games. On the season, 42%. So he's just made massive leaps in that sort of two-point range as well. So I guess the question now is like, is what we're seeing from Zach sustainable? Is this kind of who he is and, and this is why the offense is diverted this way or is it just like a hot stretch and that's why he's getting the ball more? I, I don't know the answer to that. And again, maybe maybe you have good thoughts or maybe you don't. But I, I'd like to kick it back to you as to... Do you think this is a sustainable st- stretch of, or is is this sustainable as to what Zach is doing? Has he sort of gone back to that uber efficient guy that we saw in twenty uh, the twenty twenty one season? So has he sort of recaptured that form here? I mean, I don't think he's going to be able to replicate this level of just nuclear scoring for the rest of the year. I mean, he's like over thirty points a game in this stretch. He's shooting like, you know unanimous MVP Steph Curry levels of efficiency. I just, I don't see really anybody being this good, but I think from a process standpoint, um, I, I think we are seeing a little bit, maybe it drops off a little bit as the efficiency wanes, but like, I think this does make a lot of sense. I think it's good to see. I mean, we, we sort of talked about this as an option when the Bulls first signed DeMar of like, you know, let DeMar run the offense and sort of as you know, in their second and third season together, start to transition more towards Zach doing so as DeMar gets a little bit older and maybe he's dealing with um, injury. And I think the hip uh, injury that he sustained uh, a few weeks back against the Celtics is definitely impacting him, whether he'll, he'll admit it or not. Um, he just has not looked the same. The pump fake isn't getting as many bites. He hasn't been getting the free throw line. Um, his efficiency is probably around the same, but like, he just doesn't look like the same level of scorer. And it's a good thing the Bulls have two of those guys. Like they're DeMar's not gonna be playing at this low of a level. And it's not like he's, you know, just been terrible out there. Like he's just not, you know, all-star caliber DeMar DeRozan that we're used to. And there's gonna be stretches where Zach is not this good um, and where he looks maybe more like he did at the you know middle part of the season. But I think it is really good news that Zach is playing like this. Obviously, like you just want him to be the best version of himself, but to come off of, I kind of mentioned this last night, like starting the season the way that he did with some scare about his knee and the recovery from that surgery to, to get him back at this level, I think at any point during the season was a big win, but like, he's really exceeding my expectations. Like this is some of the best basketball, the best stretch of basketball that I've ever witnessed from him. Yeah, and you mentioned that on the on the post game last night that you know has Zach ever been better? And w- when I was listening that to that on my on my drive home from work, I I instantly like sort of recoiled at the thought. But then when I was sort of thinking about it and started looking at the numbers, like I think he is pretty much on par with a guy that we did see in twenty twenty one. Now, obviously, in twenty twenty one, he did this over a sustained period of time, a, a much larger sample. Um, here, it's been you know fifteen twenty odd games, and so from that standpoint, I, I don't know if he's all the way back, but assuming he was to maintain this for the rest of the season, like the 16 games to go, then that would be a large chunk of time. So I think, you know, you could be onto something there in the sense that he's getting I, back to that type of level where he was just... I would also... Clear... There you go. I was going to say, I would also just add that, like, he was this good in December too. And if it wasn't for that knuckle injury that he sustained, this is like a much longer stretch. Like, I, I think that really held back his shooting. There was a stretch there where he was like taking 10 threes a game and he was just on fire, and then he cooled off a bit when he got that hand injury. But he's yeah. right back to it, and and that's just fantastic to see. Yeah, but 
French Balls TV in, in the comments makes a good point. Like, I haven't really been questioning Zach's shot selection of late, or at least not to the same degree that I have in, in previous times. Um, so even back in like December, maybe even early January, there were there was probably moments where I was more likely to question his uh, shot selection, whereas now it kind of just everything feels right. Like, yeah, okay, you're going to get one or two dumb shots here and there, like, but you're going to get one or two dumb shots from every on-ball guy that, that feels themselves and thinks that they can make every shot, and like DeRozan included. So... Uh, but but to French Balls TV's point here, like like even think about the the, the Denver game last night. He and, and you've raised this point too. Like his his intent to get to the basket has been renewed. It's it kind of feels like that is you know his main focus at this point. And, and as you referenced, the the three point attempt rate has sort of gone down, which okay makes sense when you're if you're only going to get like 17, 18 shots a game and you're attacking the basket more, then obviously something has to has to give, and it's typically going to be his three-point shooting in that in that equation so i but again more generally i've, I've actually enjoyed zach's uh shot selection over the last sort of 15 games it, it, everything kind of feels right and the way that he's trying to get to rim first and then opening up the rest of these game i think that's been extremely beneficial for him but at the same time like we quoted Zach's name numbers through this through this 15 game stretch and obviously DeRozan maybe still be carrying this injury but his usage, his usage has just dropped off dramatically. Like his usage is basically the same as Vucha's at the moment, which is not something I expected to see. Yes, he's maintained his uh, efficiency through this period of time, but like Demar through the last fifteen games is just barely averaging over twenty points, which is not a thing I would have assumed would be happening this season based on how last season went, but also how De- Demar played that first half of this season as well. So. I don't know how much of this is related to DeMar's injury, whether DeMar has willingly taken a step back and is trying to be more San Antonio Spurs DeMar. Maybe it's a combination of factors. Who knows? But um, yeah, the way it's sort of all played out over the last sort of 10, 15, 20 games, it's been it's been very interesting to see. And in conjunction with, like, with how the ball season has evolved, maybe, maybe they've gone to this because they've tried all these other different things and they're obviously trying to revive their season. Then why not try... Try to try something completely different where you're flipping who is the primary guy. Maybe that's a subconscious thing. Maybe that's something that's clearly been a, a shift. I don't know the answers, but uh, based on what we're seeing, it kind of feels like that. It feels at least like a planned initiative. Yeah. And basically, the answer that I got from Billy was that that was not the case, even though I'm not sure I 100% believe him. Um, but I think they're just kind of like getting out of Zach what they need right now because DeMar is not playing well. It seems kind of like there is some push and pull. Um, DeMar's assists seem like they've been up. I, I know his usage is down. His shot attempts are down, but like, it's not like he's not involved in the offense. So um, like I said, I do think that there's some positivity that can be that you can kind of spin out of this for DeMar, which is that, you know, if the bulls do end up making the play in or the playoffs that they'll be, maybe slightly better off knowing that they can run offense through Zach so that things don't completely bog down the way that they did last year um, during the regular season to end the year. And also during the playoffs when basically they, they just couldn't do anything. So I do think that there is um, some positive stuff going on here for the team, but I mean, even if you're just using this to boost Zach's trade value and then flip them this summer, I mean, nothing, nothing about this is, is a bad thing. But I also no. think it brings up this question of like, well, if you are going to trade one of these guys now, where does this leave you? I mean, who would you rather continue to build with here? 
given that Zach is playing at this level and he's much younger and DeMar is not playing as well as he used to. Um, maybe that affects the uh, value you could get in return for DeMar, but it's just, it makes this an interesting question. Yeah. Look, my, my perspective on this hasn't changed. If anything, it's maybe emboldened my decision around this. And I, I still think Zach is the guy you trade and that and that's purely again based on based on value. Like my position on this whole thing right now is, I don't believe in this team. I don't believe in this current core. I'm thinking about the next iteration of the team. We've seen what a a Bulls team can look like either now or in years past. As Zach being that primary guy, and it's not something that clearly is going to take you to the heights that are that are cha- championship level. It's probably not going to take you any higher than where we're at at the moment. So uh, I would be trying to pivot and trying to look to, to to whatever the next iteration of Bulls teams looks like. And purely from a value play, Zach is going to net you significantly more in a trade than DeMar will. So that's just the, the fact of the situation. So that's why I would be trading Zach. And every decision I'm making going forward is like, all right, how can I extract the most value? Um, and to me, at least, I think there's more value to be gained by trading Zach than trying to rebuild the next iteration of balls around him as your primary guy. That doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense to me. And similarly, with that in mind, um, clearly, at Dema- given DeMar's age, going into, what, year 15 next year, something like that, obviously, you're not retooling or rebuilding around DeMar either, but I don't think there's going to be, obviously, a lot of value for to be had for DeMar. So I, I actually think, if anything, William, this has probably even made me feel even stronger about that opinion because, if anything, this is just boosting Zach Levine's trade value. And if anything, you probably can get a little bit more back for him now. So that's kind of how I feel about it. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe people will tell me I'm wrong. Uh, don't know where you sit on that one, but like, if you had to move one of these guys, assuming you had to, I would be moving Zach. And that's not necessarily an, an endorsement of DeMar over Zach. It's just a, a state of the play in terms of I'm not wedded to this team right now. I'm, I don't want to keep anyone pretty much. So who can I get the most value back from? You're not getting much for Virch, obviously, because he's a free agent. And uh, DeRozan with one year left and entering, you know, age 34 season or 35, whatever he'll be next season, 34. Um, clearly, he doesn't have a lot of value. Whereas Zach, he's in, he's in his prime. He's turning, what, 28 tomorrow and he's playing some of the best basketball of his career. So that's kind of why I think he, unfortunately, he needs to be the guy that needs to go. Yeah, it's an interesting question. I feel like I've sort of vacillated on this a couple of times, but I do feel that the Bulls kind of missed the window to sell high on DeMar. Um, I think this trade deadline, he's going into an all-star game. He still has two playoffs left on his contract. I think that would have been the opportune time. But you also look at like the mentorship that he's built with some of the young players, and that's like really valuable in the locker room. I think they – they really care about that. DeMar has been just like the consummate professional, the consummate leader that this team really hasn't had. Um, not to say that Zach doesn't do it in his own way, but it seems like some of these young players really gravitate towards DeMar. Um, but at the same time, like if you're, tr- if you're trying to build around bringing a 33-year-old DeMar DeRozan and re-signing a 32-year-old Vucevic, like what are what are you trying to build with that? So on the one hand, I I think you could probably get more for Zach. On the other hand, I'm not sure what you're really building towards if your core is around two 33 year olds that um, aren't playing their best basketball. Um, and on the third hand, like why not both? You know, like they could just like totally reconstruct this thing. And I think in a lot of ways that would be their best path forward. But 
I, I guess you could kind of sway me either way on that. Like it does kind of uh, depend on the returning value. Um, but at the same time, like if Zach is going to keep playing like this and if he's going to keep getting better, then maybe you do have to try to find another player who can be like sort of the number one option, whether it's just like more of a traditional point guard next to him um, and, and sort of modernize this team with some more defense and shooting, then maybe they can pull it off. So it's an interesting question. Um, certainly the Bulls have some work to do on that front. Um, and, and that starts with actually making the play-in tournament. But we will talk about that after a word from our sponsors. Um, you guys know about DraftKings. We talk about DraftKings every day. They're our presenting sponsor, and that is because they are an official sports betting partner of the NBA, uh, just one of the best sports book in America. And I go there all the time for my no sweat same game parlays. Joey is there all the time for his first bucket, Zach Levine, when Patrick Williams is on the bench and almost hit last night, but uh, Zach's three rimmed out. DraftKings is um, it's just like the best place to, to make bets. Um, you will get bonus free bets if you download the app using promo code CHGO. Uh, if you bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner at the NBA, make sure to use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Mark, can you tell our friends about game time? I can. I can. And I will, William. Once people have downloaded the DraftKings app, please, friends, go and download the game time app. So if you're not aware of what the game time app is, well, friends, it is the hottest ticket, the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets, whether it's to sporting events, concerts, to shows, comedy shows, whatever you want to go to, basically. Head on over to Game Time. They will hook you up. So if you've ever dreamed of sitting in a seat that you never thought you could before, whether that's at the 50-yard line in an NFL game, whether that's behind home plate, baseball is coming back soon. So if you want to get your hands on some baseball tickets, obviously floor seats at a concert, or more importantly, if you want to go to a Bulls game, you can do all of that via the game time app so you will not find a better deals i can guarantee you this you will not find better deals for tickets this season for balls games and i know this personally because this i've been inquiring about it clearly i'm coming to chicago next week i want to get to balls games the way that i've been sort of looking at tickets the way i've been trying to secure tickets is through the game time app so i've actually downloaded on this this on my phone i've got the uh the website saved as a bookmark on my computer i've been looking for balls tickets and i'll be buying my balls tickets through the game time app so if you want to score um some some truly great prices on balls tickets or any other event then head on over to the game time app um, so if you love what we do here at CHGO, then I can guarantee that you're going to love the Game Time app. And it is the best way to support us is to um, to be buying your tickets through the link in the description of this episode of the podcast. So join over 15 million who have downloaded the Game Time app and score the best seats to all your favorite events, friends. Yes, indeed. Mark, You, I think you bought tickets for Wednesday's game against the Kings. I know you purchased those using the GameTime app, and maybe you'll get a couple more games in while you're here. Um, but let's talk about the play-in, because that race is really real right now, believe it or not. Um, the Bulls are sitting 11th as we speak at 30 and 36. 
They are one game out of the 10th seed. Um, the Wizards are currently in the 10th spot at 31 and 35. And then the Raptors, 32 and 35, are just a half game ahead of them. Uh, with the Pacers, obviously they, the Bulls had that bad loss the other day against the Pacers. Um, they're sitting one game behind the Bulls. The Pacers currently have the tiebreak over the Bulls. The Raptors currently have the tiebreak over the Bulls. And the Bulls and the Wizards have split their season series. But the Bulls have a better conference record. And it's looking like that will uh, remain the case pretty much however this season runs out. So there's a good chance the Bulls have the tiebreak over the Wizards, which is really what they need to do right now is get to that number 10 spot. So how are you feeling about the plan? Um, let's just start from the standpoint of like, do you think they're going to make it? And just for some perspective, as soon as I ask you a question, I'm going to cut you off and say that right now, 538 gives the Bulls a 13% chance of making the playoffs. Um, basketball reference gives them a 15.1% chance with a 23.7% chance of getting in as the 10th seed. So what do you say, Mark? Play-in or nah? <laughs> How could you have any faith in this basketball team? I mean, that win last night. I didn't say so- I did. I'm just, I'm just asking. I know, I know you. I know. I know. But I'm just. I'm, I'm answering your question, William. I'm answering your freaking question. Like they went into Denver last night, a team that barely ever loses at home, and they won by twenty something points or whatever it was in the end. It completely demolished the, the. You know, one of the best teams in basketball, arguably the MVP. They just demolished them in the second half, and despite that. I have no confidence in them and their ability to go into Houston on Saturday and beat the freaking Rockets. I don't understand this team. I will never understand this team. Just a weird, just a strange team. Like we talked about it last week. They had some amazing, amazing wins and just some absolutely terrible losses. And I know all teams go through bad stretches and have good wins, bad losses. But for this team, it just feels like it's been taken to another level. So will they get into the play-in? I think they can. Do I have any faith in them doing so? Absolutely not. Why should I? Why should I? Why should anyone have faith in this team getting into the plane? Like, and it's not entirely on their control as well. Like, they don't have necessarily the tie the the tiebreaker situations with some of these teams that they're competing against. So, they obviously the Bulls have to control what they control uh, what they control. But even if they do, it may come down to a scenario where like tiebreakers are enforced and they still miss out. So, um. I think my, I'm, I'm ultimately going to sit on the situation where I think they do get the 10th spot. They've probably got more of an advantage in the sense that their, their strength of schedule is a little bit weighted more favorably than some of these other teams. Um, having said that, like ultimately they have to they have to play 10 games against teams that are above 500, which maybe is a good thing, maybe it's a bad thing. I don't know. Depends on where how the Bulls are sort of engaged on in, in any specific uh, specific moment. So I don't know how I feel about it. I guess, but. Uh, I think ultimately they're going to land in tenth. I don't think I don't know if they're going to get any further than that. But uh, yeah, I think they. My official prediction is that they will get tenth. Woo, tenth! Congratulations, the tenth seed in the East. And uh, just for more context here, the Bulls have a remaining strength of schedule of 0.499, so almost a 500 win percentage. Uh, the Hawks are. I'm sorry. The Wizards are 13th at 506. The Hawks. 12th at 510 and the Raptors are fifth at 528. So all three of those teams have much harder, not much harder, but harder schedules remaining, um, which is maybe something that would benefit the Bulls. But again, like we just don't know 
how this team performs against good teams. We don't know how they'll perform against bad teams. And last week we were talking about like the good wins. I was kind of looking back at it and like they had a good win against the Warriors in like mid January. And like they beat the Nets to break up their win streak a couple games before that. But like, we haven't really seen a really good win in a month and a half, two months. And that, that win last night was definitely a good win against a really good team on their home court where they were 30 and four now 30 and five. Um, I will say I, this doesn't change who I think this Bulls team is. And I don't think really anything will unless they, unless like their record gets to that point. Like basically at this point in the season, the Bulls are who their record says they are. And that's kind of my stance. So if they get their record up to 42 and 40, then they will strike me as a 42 and 40 team. If they finish the season 36 and 46, they will strike me as a 36 and 46 team. And I'm not sure if there's going to be a situation where I kind of believe in them more than their record. So we'll see. I do think, and uh, we can get into like whether or not we believe they should make the play in, or we want them to make the play in. But I do think that if they get in there, they will be competitive. I think those games will be interesting. I think they have a pretty good chance of winning their way into a playoff series, which would be interesting. Um, because I just, I don't really buy it from any of these teams. I know the Raptors just beat the Bulls and I think they're probably better, but like, do I have faith in them that they're significantly better? Not really. I mean, the Wizards are the Wizards. They're kind of the same team they have been. The Hawks are really struggling. They're just at 500, which is like, congrats. Uh, The Heat are definitely one leg up and they're 35 and 32 in the seventh seed right now. But those bottom five teams and really you could lump the Pacers in there too. They're all kind of the same to me. And so I do think if the Bulls got in, they would be competitive and maybe get themselves into a playoff series. And I think that's part of the reason why I'm not like actively rooting against them, but I do think that long-term that could be a bad thing for the organization because they might continue to just have faith in this product that they put together if they finish out the season strong, when I think we all kind of know what this group is and, and what their ceiling is more importantly. Yeah, completely agree. And, and look, at, I think at the way it's shaping up at the moment, I would be surprised if Atlanta doesn't end up in eighth. I think Toronto is going to get ninth. And then it's really just, you know, who comes down to that 10th spot, whether it's the Wizards or the Bulls. So assuming the Bulls were to get in 10th, they would play the the Raptors. You know, they've beaten the Raptors. The Raptors have obviously beaten the Bulls this season. I think that would be a 50-50 type game. But assuming then the Bulls beat the uh the Raptors, I would assume the the Hawks would lose to the Heat, meaning, you know, the Bulls would have a chance to beat a Hawks team again, who they've they've beaten this season. So that if they were out, if they can get in the plane, I think they can advance to the playoffs, which to your point might not be a great thing because if 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 AK and Mark Eversley and ownership and whoever else is um, you know part of the decision making of this roster. You know, if they weren't prepared to make moves at the offseason or more importantly at the deadline because they felt this team could do something or, you know, uh, yeah, could could advance to something of note, then if the Bulls were to get into the playoffs and have a decent first round series, based on their actions in the past where they've done very little, like if they were somehow to get back into this and revive their season and get into the playoffs, I would actually have even less faith of them doing anything drastic in the offseason. And as we noted before, like, 
they probably do have limitations in what they're going to do with the offseason regardless because they're going to be over the cap. They don't have a lot of draft picks necessarily to move around. Sure, you can maybe make make some deals here and there, but ultimately, I think for, for the most part, it's going to be the same team coming back. But if this team were to advance into the postseason, it's probably more impetus for them to keep everything the way it currently is or at least mostly uh, the way it currently is. So to me, that's not ideal because like you and we think very similarly on this and I think Peck is... Uh, thinking is very similar to us as well. It's probably just it's probably just Big Dave who's probably on an island on this one in terms of us here, us four at least on at CHGO. But um, yeah, I I, I don't I, and coming back to what I said before, thinking about this one like from a value play, like what path uh, what what path gives you the best value to me? Trying to get back into the play and trying to be in the playoffs just to get him absolutely destroyed in the first round, like that doesn't that doesn't give me a lot of value doesn't give. I don't think the Bulls a lot of value long term, and I think actually trying to to uh, restructure your your team, whether you land the top four pick or not, I think that's more uh, it's more va- more of a value based decision than trying to I don't know trying to get back into the playoffs. So that we've talked about that before. My my stance hasn't changed on that at all. And again, if anything, that stance has been emboldened. So I, I don't get it. Will, will I be more excited if they land 10th and will I be trying, will I want them to to win those games? Maybe at that point in time, but right now I can't say I'm excited about chasing the play and I'm just not. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem like it would be that uh, gratifying of a success anyway, just given the way that the season has gone down and, and maybe it would require some sort of magic to happen uh, that got them there in the first place and that could kind of re-inspire us, but for me, it's like, and I think Dave would make the argument, and I'm sure a lot of other fans feel this way too, is that like, what's the point in trying to tank their way out of the playoffs when they don't even have control over their pick? And for me, it's that's a part of it. And I think we talked about this in like November. That's a part of it. Uh, right now, the Bulls are sitting at, of course, the seventh worst record in the, in the league, which gives them a 31.9% chance of keeping their pick, 7.5% chance of winning the lottery, if they could get down to sixth, I think fifth is a little out of the question now um, with Orlando kind of falling into place there. But the Pacers are one game behind the Bulls. They have the tiebreaker over the Bulls. And if the Bulls could move up to that sixth spot, they would improve their odds of keeping their pick by like five and a half percent. It would go up to 37.2%. And so you're just giving yourself the best chance. And I think if we're talking about value and the importance of um, playing to probabilities. Like, yes, a team could jump the bulls and get into the lottery and leave the bulls picking seventh. But like at the end of the day, you just have to do what's best for your organization, your team and the future. And for me, I just don't really see a future with this group. And so I don't necessarily want to see them tricking themselves into thinking that there is a future with this group. And I also think that the best possible path forward is to get lucky in the lottery. And so you just kind of have to give yourself the best chance of doing that. And that would require you putting yourselves in, in sort of the lowest position possible when it comes to the standing. So I really would not rule out Indiana here. Um, like I said, they're only a game behind the bulls. Mm-hmm. They have the tiebreaker over the bulls yep. and they have mm-hmm. a much easier schedule than the bulls down the stretch. They are the 21st uh easiest schedule. So 485, um, it's certainly a possibility and they have, they have some mojo. They're, they're a fun young team. Like we've seen it a couple times now 
They play hard. They're coached well. Um, they've got a young group. And the other thing is, like, I think Bulls fans kind of forget, like, just watching this team and being so focused on this group, like, kind of how bad they've been relative to other teams. Like, they really are the seventh worst team in the league. This is, like, a talented group that's playing below their level for sure. But, like, this team is just underachieving in such a big way. And I don't think that bringing them back or um, settling for continuity anymore is really that productive. You know what, though? They're probably the best, worst seventh team that I've ever seen in my life. Like, if they're the worst, the seventh worst team in the NBA, they're the best seventh worst team I've ever seen. So I've got to give them, I'll hand them that. Like, I'm, I'm prepared to give them that accolade, if, if nothing else. If they can't get in the play in, then I will craft a trophy. I will, I will, I will make that out of stone, some sort of, uh, you know, very expensive and immaculate stone. And I'll, I'll award that to AK to say, you are the, the best seventh worst team I've ever seen in my life. And, and maybe that'll be enough to justify this season. What, what do you think? Do you think that would accept that, William, my craftsmanship in, in that type of award? Do you think that'll be enough for them? Well, I do. I am a process oriented guy in general, but like at the end of the day, you got, it's like wins and losses matter. That's how you get into the playoffs. That's how you make the play in. Like you need wins. And like, it almost just like doesn't matter to me what the process is anymore because we know what the result is. So to answer your question, no, that does not matter to me. I don't care about craftsmanship. I don't care about consolation prizes. Like this team is the seventh worst team in the league. Like they got to do something. I agree. Shockingly, I agree with you. Who who saw that coming? Who saw that coming? Could not be me. Could not be you. Um, Anyways, let's finish this podcast. Yeah, I was going to say, let's wrap it up here. Um, unless you have anything else to add. Uh, we are off tomorrow. And then game against the Rockets Saturday. We'll be back in studio for pregame with Matt and Big Dave. And then um, myself, Matt and Big Dave. It's, a, it's an away game, so I'll be in studio as well. And then post-game following that. Um, and then back to our regu- regularly scheduled programming next week. So we will see you all in studio for pregame against Houston. And thank you, Mark. Thank you to Joey managing the controls behind the scenes as always. And thank you to our friends at DraftKings. Make sure to sign up using promo code CHGO. Mark, we'll talk soon. I will see you soon. And to you guys watching and listening, thanks so much. Next time I see you. Next time I see you, I'll actually see you in person. That's pretty weird. It's eh? going to be so weird. I've known you for like 10 years and I've never seen you in person. That's going to be wild. But anyway, thank you guys for tuning in and listening. We will talk to you next time.